0: Welcome, uh, welcome everyone to the um, Quant the Financial Engineering podcast. I am, um, I've got a treat for you uh, today. I have two um, analysts that are going to talk to us about some interesting topics. Um, they are from a global asset manager uh, based in New York City, with about seven hundred billion dollars under management. Just to give you a feel as to you know where they work. And uh, very simply, we're going to be really addressing two topics uh, with them, Um, you know, natural language processing and alternative data, um, which is um, getting more and more uh, press these days. And we'll see how they use it. And so maybe what we could start with is you guys could maybe introduce yourself a little bit. Give me a little bit of a background because I believe one of you is actually an MFE uh as well um you know give a little bit of background and your educational background and uh you know what you do at the firm and then we could start going into uh, those two topics
1: sure sounds good yeah maybe i can i can start off sure yeah hello everyone i'm vincent hang i actually came from a very similar background i graduated from a master's of financial engineering program from cornell back in 2016, 2017. So I've been working at AB for four, three, four years around that time. And I'm a quantitative research associate at Alliance Penn My work at AB, well, I spend most of my time doing like traditional quantitative modeling work, but recently I've been spending a lot of time with our data science team and UU specifically on alternative data research and try to see if we can, if we'd be able to use those alternative data to solve some uh, fundamental questions. On our investment teams. So that's my sort of my current focus.
2: Yeah sure. Hi everyone. My name is Yu Yu. Uh, I'm data scientist in the data science team at AB. I've joined AB for three years. And I have PhD in psychometrics and quantitative psychology, um, which may not be so familiar with you but it's basically you know, using uh, models and data science technologies to analyze psychological data. So it's easy, I transfer my skills into finance. And uh, I now work on generally two types of projects. One types belong to the uh, NLP tax analysis, which we name as Tax Analysis Lab. Basically, we use NLP techniques to analyze different type of financial documents. And the other project belongs to the uh, using data visualization and more traditional machine learning models to analyze the internal data. Uh, So, you know, those interactions between our advisors and the clients to improve our sales process.
0: Great. So um, we introduced a bunch of terms. So for the people that don't know,
2: let's let's
0: try to define for first of all, what is natural language processing?
2: Yeah, sure. So uh, I'll go for this question for natural language processing. You know, natural language is basically the language we spoke, we speak, um, like you know the English language and you know Chinese, which I often use also. And uh, for those you use algorithms pr- process the machine readable text. Basically, you know, you can process the sounds, but mostly in our firm we focus on the text, which already in a plain format. So which we call a machine readable text. And then you can apply different type of algorithm to process them to get the signals you want. For those algorithms, we can talk about the details later.
0: And and, and what type of um, coding language do you use to process the data? And where's the data coming from?
2: Okay, I see. Yeah, so basically we mostly rely on Python to, to um we use it, and you know, there's also other types you can use, R, uh, which are popular in academia, and uh, um, also C++, which are the more basic uh, languages in like uh, algorithm reading. But we mostly rely on the open source uh, packages, which are typically in Python. And for the financial documents, we process um, those uh, like uh, uh, documents. Uh, required by the regulatory authorities, SEC, and uh, um, this include the earning transcripts, the filings, 10K-10Q and A And we also process the central bank statements and there's also news resources we want to cover.
0: Yeah. So I guess we're not doing any more financial analysis. We just grab the data and see what the patterns are. Is that what's happening here?
2: Uh, That's what we hope, (laughs) but hopefully, you know, data processing and uh, uh, like getting the data will be a lot of work. So for the earning transcripts, which I will focus as an example through the talk, um, we get it from the vendor. So they basically, after each earning call, they have the transcripts, and then we get their transcripts which already been cleaned up because you need to have different kinds of tags, like what type of speakers it is in these transcripts and what did they see and uh, uh, what are the different like sections? It needs to be nicely tagged in order to be analyzable. But for other type of documents like uh, tanky and 10 queues, we directly script from SEC and do the parsing ourselves.
0: Well, so basically uh, we in the past we would, uh, because obviously you, since you work for an asset management firm, you know, the idea is for you guys to, you know, look for opportunities and, and, and trends and where you could invest. Um, mm-hmm where in the past we would, uh, you know, look at financial information and forecasts and valuation, you are trying to pick up on additional information um, and Lehigh had done some research like that on um, on IPO, you know, the information containing the IPO, for example, allow us to uh, you know, evaluate what was going really going on. I mean, is, is it a positive message a negative message? Uh, so, so, so then you have a re, you have a reliance on the data that you're getting. Yeah. Right? That's that's important, right, Vincent? Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. I think um, for for the data sensing for our team, we actually spend a lot of time try to make the data correct for the future analysis, like like the deeper analysis, and also for the investment teams. That's that actually take takes us a lot of time just to clean up the data, because we want to make sure that we can trust the data. We can trust the analytics based off the data. So that's always the first step, right? And like, I, I think some of the actual use case, it really depends on what your focus is. Like you could, if we're talking about like top-down research, like allocation sectors, countries, all those stuff, you're probably looking at aggregate. But if we're talking about, let's say bottom up, you wanna have a more like a cross-sectional signals or cross-sectional features, then you should probably look at like more, more uh, those data in more details or like company level type of characteristics. So that, that, that really depends on what, you want, what you're looking for. Yeah. Correct.
0: So since Vincent, since uh speaking now, so let's, so let's talk about what is alternative data? as a, yeah, what is that? Yeah, so I I mean, it's a term, it is a term. If you go (laughs) and look for the word, there is a, and I believe it's used in some quant firms are using them. Uh, They're doing systematic fund management, for example. It's used that, so what is is alternative data?
1: Sure, that's a good question. So I think uh, traditionally you will imagine like people are using a lot of like financial data, those like very, very traditional data to, make their forecast projections on the financials, all those stuffs. Alternative data on the other hand, I think it's a a trending topic recently. People looking at data that doesn't belong to like a company specific financial, those stuffs, but either on the unstructured side, like they have the filings and corporate uh, filings and the news and all, or or maybe even the earnest transcript of those stuffs that's unstructured that cannot be processed uh, using traditional methods. And second type of alternative data is more like a sector specific. For example, you have transactions, you even have uh, uh, airline pricing, web scraping data, all those stuffs. So I think briefly alternative data is just type of data that wasn't a focus, let's say back in 10 years ago, people, where people focused only on the financials or the traditional type of sources to, to, to make their forecasts or evaluations on financials or those stuffs. Yeah, that's, I, I think that's um, my definition or how I see alternative data is. Yes. Sorry, Patrick, you're on mute. And how does this look?
0: How does this uh, relate to sentiment analysis?
1: Yeah, so sentiment analysis, it really de- depends on what you're talking about. For example, you're talking about the sentiments coming from text. Then we are actually looking at... Looking at NLP. And as you said, there are so many different ways of looking at sentiments. You can use either dictionary based. There are like a lot of like either financial dictionary or traditional dictionary that gives you like positive words versus negative words. And you can always calculate different sentiment metrics on top using those dictionary. But also, the second type of sentiment calculation is model based. You can have a target, you can have the sentiment labels and have the machine trained on those sentiment labels to recognize what are the positive words and then what are the negative words. Even you can look at like engrams, looking at the phrases instead of a single word. Do you, do you have anything to add on that?
2: Yeah, uh, I want to add that we started sentiment because uh, we have the economic intuition that sentiment really relates to how the market reacts. So um, then we can use sentiment signals to generate alpha. That's the ultimate goal, we study those sentiment. Yeah, and for the techniques that Vincent already touched on it, yeah.
0: So I guess what we are saying is that there is an other order of things out there beyond just the financials. There's information out there that obviously was not used before was available. And I guess now we have the ability to do it. But, but machine learning has been around for a while and Python as well. Why is it, why now? Why is this um, becoming more trendy or used?
2: Yeah, as you mentioned, those signals—that's um, quote unquote signals—already been there for years. You know, people all know that it's uh, when the market is up, everyone wants to buy, and when the market is down, everyone get panic. This is kind of sentiment, you know, around the market. But uh, you know, um, before twenty years ago, before the uh, really the advance of the you know the engineering side and the computation side, it is re- really difficult to process those large number of information even using computer, let alone like human beings using the brains. So I think nowadays it really becomes a buzzword or hot topic in finance, you know, the FinTech things. It is because the advance of technology and also the possibility to process those um, sources, resources systematically.
0: Okay. So. Great. Now we we, we technically, uh, technologically, we're able to do it. That's great. But at the end of the day, if you make recommendation based on alternative data, isn't there a, a risk? I mean, from a compliance point of view, though, what what's the is you know is, is there a concern about compliance? Is compliance looking away because you could be making lots of recommendation. I mean, I know uh, Vincent talks about cleaning the data. I mean, um, it's one thing, I mean, the SEC's got financials and you rely on that to make a decision. And if you're wrong, you, you can not be sued. But, but you know, if you're using alternative data, mm-hmm. is, is it a ring fence in any way or?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, that's a good question. But I think it really depends on what you're trying to solve with the alternative data. We are not just like throwing the data into our system and make black box prediction. We, all the research, most of our research are based on solid fundamental thesis, right? We need to have some fundamental idea behind the model that we're building. If it is just a data mining, if it is just a black box prediction, no one's gonna trust it. Even if we have the like very fancy, very, very good trading strategy that does, if it doesn't have, Trading intuition, the fundamental economic intuition behind it, no one's going to use it, which is why um, I think a lot of focus of our work really depends, really um, is on the interpretability, like try to interpret what the machine is doing and how can we understand the prediction, how can we understand the outputs of the models. So I think that's the, one of the key or the challenge that we are facing in, the, in this industry, especially like for, for the fin- financial world. Where everyone wants to understand their model, wants to know what they're investing and how they, if the investment could be persistent in the future, all those steps.
0: Okay. So maybe uh, since you, you brought the topic, uh, Vincent, maybe you could talk a little bit about what you're doing uh, so we get a better feel for uh, your activity.
1: Sure. You mean like how do we start with the uh, fundamental? Yeah. I mean, what, what,
0: uh, the, you, you mentioned a couple of projects. So what, and then you you can do the same, so we get a better feel. Now that we talk about the big topics, let's get into the more you know, get a better feel for what, what you do.
1: Sure, I think one of the projects that it did last year was to measure sector competition. The idea actually came from our fundamental team. So what they've seen is for some sectors, for some industries, the level of competition usually gets translated into the future margins returns. So the, the question came to us, are we able to systematically capture this type of analytics using alternative data? And how can we test those hypothe- this, this particular hypothesis, right? So that's actually one of like very good example of using starting from fundamental idea, fundamental thesis and using alternative data to answer that type of question. So what we eventually ended up doing is we combined two types of alternative data sets one is the earnings transcripts, and the other is um, industry supply chain data. Yeah, So we created indicators or signals that captured um, the f- competition within certain sectors. And we find those sectors to be very, very useful to in, in terms of predicting the future movement of the margins and returns.
0: This is quite interesting because not many firms, I mean, we still, I mean, the market is still you know, fundamental base really. At, they're still hesitating and just departing completely from that, and I haven't heard of too many firms actually using alternative data yet. Um, you know, to really you know merge the. I mean, apart from being a pure black box, I mean, there's a couple of firms that do a actually systematic fund management where they just they forget the fun, forget the fundamentals, just pure. Um, and, uh, and 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 you you what what um, what about you?
2: Uh, since, I in mean, this area of um, read reports from different companies, I think now, you know, a lot of uh, the financial companies have already established uh, mature teams to um, study about this, like Morgan Chase, Fidelity, and uh, so it's, it's already been in the, like, in good shape for a while. But for about how exactly, like, you know, the performance are and how they incorporate those signals into their strategies, it's mostly proprietary. So it's difficult to know exactly. But I think based on the exchange of the information from the conferences and the papers, the reports, uh, it's already, I think, pushed the market and pushed the shape of the industry um, very different from how it was before.
0: you know, Mandelbrot um, uh, wrote a book on uh, the, the misbehavior of markets, right? And basically, um, he basically says that um, uh, we've got it all wrong. And he said that 10 years ago. Uh, basically, we have it all wrong. We're looking at the market as if, you know, we're looking at the fundamentals, right, of the market, trying to understand. We're looking at Markowitz and, 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 um, M ratio and on all these these things and, and think that these are ways for us to somehow able to predict and these models are not doing are not doing great because obviously we had huge amount of uncertainty in the stock market as we've seen in the past you know 2008 1987 and the idea is to say that maybe we should be looking at it more and uh, you know with computers, um, and uh, from uh, more of a distance and see their patterns, not not to become a technical analyst, right, a little more complicated than that, but maybe there's something else going on. There's another law uh, that, that we haven't discovered yet. Uh, and maybe that's what we're trying to do here, trying to figure out maybe there's, there's something else going on beyond just the fundamentals um, um, that's driving the markets without yeah. As Vincent mentioned, going into a black box where well, we have no idea what, what this thing is going to spit out, which could be dangerous as well. We don't want all the models to run the stock market either.
2: Yeah, I agree. And, you know, even in psych- when I was in psychology, um, we kind of have a model like uh, obviously all models are wrong. So don't believe in the models you built. Like they, it will give you one hundred percent, even or ninety nine percent correct answers. But the essence is to use the models to learn some things that you know human human beings cannot use their brain to summarize. So that's I think the advance of data science. It is not to give you like uh, new edges or things that uh, humans don't know, but it is to summarize or automate the information. That it is all of the all of the capacity of human brains to process, but which are doable. So that's why, um, you know, it's the AI, machine learning, those things. Um, I think this is the most advantage. It is to improve the efficiency.
0: So if you're a student right now, right, you're an MFE student, mm-hmm. and you know, on one end, you've got the big data because you know, the, basically, programs have uh, some finance. Uh, uh, I'm sure Vincent knows what I'm talking about. But you study finance, you study some math, and you study some engineering for big data. So, I mean, is it? And, and and they study the behavior of markets. They study market ways. They study the efficient market hypothesis, but also they're studying Python and coding and what Vincent is doing and then what you're doing. So where should they be
1: focusing? Which
0: one?
1: Yeah, yeah I think that's a... Um, I, I can go first and then you, yeah. you can follow. Um, yeah, I think that's a interesting topic because I know specifically for financial engineering students, they have different path and options For example, you can join a bank, or if you wanted to, let's say, buy side to do the actual investment, those are type of different career path they can pursue in the future, right? And the skill sets that going down to this different path might be different. So for for the buy side, I think we probably focus more on the, definitely implementation is important, which is why everyone has to, if you wanna be a quantitative researcher, you have to know how to code how to implement your ideas into 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 production. That's like the, the, the baseline. But on top of that, I think we do focus a lot on two, 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 two different, um, uh, two 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 parts, I would say. First is the finance. We want to have people who know some basics about finance, probably not as deep as like those fundamental analysts, but they should know, uh, what's the like the common valuation metrics that people are looking at and how, what's a good company? Well, what, 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 how do we define a good company basically? But then on the other hand, we want them to know some basic statistics. Now, if we want to build a baseline model to predict using historical data, what are the techniques that, that we should use? So those are sort of like the fundamentals of going into this buy side quantitative research type of domain. Well, on the bank side, I, I cannot. Speak too much on that because I don't have any bank experience. But I would say people who are coming from financial engineering program and go eventually end up a career in banks in you know, like session trading or pricing all those stuff They probably focus more on like what we call risk neutral measures and also the modeling from the mathematics side. So so that's my own experience. But yeah, you.
2: Yeah, thank you, Vincent. I think Vincent gives very good, practical suggestions to the students about their future career you know, goals. And for me, because you know I come from a quite different uh, um, background, and uh, my uh, suggestion is that it's like, which area you focus on at the end, Like focus on the traditional fundamental analysis of the quantum research, or as a data scientist um, process signals more systematically yielding coding, it really depends on, at the end, uh, your preference, which we, you really enjoy doing. Like me, so I um, have the core skills of model analysis and programming. And then I enjoy um, processing data and getting insights from it, or test some of the hypotheses and help um, the you know end users visit. That's how I end up in finance. So, and, uh, um, you know, I think the more you tried as a, as a, um, the, the financial engineer students, you have the advantage to try the different roles, you know, sometimes in the rotational um, a position. So then you will know, like the more you try, the better you know which you prefer to do at the end. And then that's where you need to sharpen your core skills.
0: Yeah. I mean, you work obviously for a very interesting firm because, okay, so, I guess Vincent, I could understand MFE students. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. But you, your PhD is in technically in psychology, but quantitative psychology. There's no no finance involved. There's none of you know. I mean, and the fact that we're now trying to put the two together and somehow because you know you're totally right. I mean, 1987. Um, uh, there was a survey that was done when the market crashed, right? And they wanted to find out, you know, why Why did the market crash in 1987? And um, uh, who did the, the, the research, who did the survey, um, I forgot his name, but he, he sent out a survey to a thousand traders and said, okay, why did you sell on this day? And there was no one specific reason behind it. Um, a chiller, Robert Chiller. Uh, in fact, you wrote a bunch of book about uh, how markets are misbehaving in ways that really uh, don't, nobody really un- understand. So there is a, a psychology be- behind this whole thing as well. And I could see why a firm like yours would say, you know what, let's bring these people. It's not just about the fundamental. It may not just be about the data. It could be about something else and trying to find. So it's very, it must be a very interesting place to work. Um, anyway, so any um Parting uh, comment uh, Yu you about this whole discussion? Uh, is this something that we should be looking for? Is somebody should be concerned? Is somebody you have to be careful about? Some general comment about this uh, alternative data slash natural language processing and the investment process?
2: Yeah, I think at the end, I would like to give a suggestion because uh, in my area, I think it's really about, um, you know, uh, that thing: stay alert, stay hungry, because there's always new technologies and new papers published every day and new things you need to look at it. So really be mind about what sources you want to study and also what technologies you want to be keep edge on. So, and, uh, uh, you know, study those things, uh, at least get general understanding of it. And one day you need it, you will have the you know in your arsenals to, to apply them. Yeah,
1: Vincent. Yeah, Same I thing. think yeah yeah um one important things that I can think about is passion. We always look for people who who is passionate about finance, about investing, because mm-hmm. you know like you really need to have a strong interest to learn and to to just to not only for your own growth, but for companies growth, we want to have people who can dedicate, who, who who wants to learn the market, who wants to understand the market, even though it is really hard to understand market. But I, we want the people who have the like the so, sort of like keen on those kind of things on the markets. So that's probably one of the biggest factor for us to make a decision. Let's say if we want to like have like hire someone or uh, or or like um, bring someone on board to so work on some projects, or the stuff, they need to show interest, right? So that's that's probably the biggest motivation for them or for us to grow.
0: Okay, so uh, this first podcast, I just uh, wanna thank you very much uh, for your time. This is uh, quite interesting. It looks like uh, we've got some um, interesting mix of um, expertise now in the world of finance, this changing. And uh, hopefully we could have you back for more in-depth discussion.
2: Thank you, Patrick. And I also appreciate this opportunity, you know, to share my experience with the students, with broader audience. Yeah. Thank you. Great.
0: Thank you.